Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Hueo. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, Dr. Andrew Michaels has finally reached his destination. The mysterious kingdom of Atlantis. Now the questions that have been lurking in the back of his mind will finally be answered. Do the Mer people have information or technology that could help us? And will they be open to sharing it with a representative of the surface world? When we sunk the enemy sub, it was our last hurdle before we entered the waters that surround Atlantis. And I dwelled on it for quite a while. The crew of 89 soldiers and sailors on the enemy sub made me pause for a moment in memorial for their sacrifice, though I don't agree with their country's policies, though I don't agree with their methodology and their politics you still have to have a soft spot in your heart for a soldier who lays down his life for the things he may or may not believe in some people are fervent about their ideology and some it's just an opportunity for them to advance their family and advance their life. It's a career. It's a job. And I often think we forget about that, that not every soldier is signed up to be a hero. Some of them sign up just to keep from starving keep their family from going hungry. And I think we forget that sometimes. The natural enemy of the Atlanteans, the ones we fought that day, were from the sunken empire of Lemuria. the trends versus the vast expanse of the Pacific Ocean. The Atlanteans, of course, control the oceans of the Atlantic, the North and South Arctic Oceans, and the Mediterranean Sea. The Lemurians 
control the Pacific Ocean, the Sea of Japan, and the Indian Ocean, right up to the Suez Canal. A line literally drawn across the land between one empire and another. And it's not a peaceful coexistence. It's a hot, cold war. A hot, cold war. Isn't that an oxymoron? Two nations. Their soldiers fighting a silent, invisible war with each other. All the while, trying to advance their society. But now they have a common foe. And though the Lemurians will not admit it, they just won't acknowledge it. They want to ignore this common enemy. The Atlanteans try as they might to continue striving to get them to understand the gravity of the situation, the dire straits they've found their peoples in, and nothing works. The combat we experienced was commonplace. The seafaring nations of the planet, Russia, China, the United Kingdom, the United States, France, all find themselves caught up in this battle. The Lemurians refusing help and assistance refusing diplomacy, continually sending their troops into harm's way. Eventually what happened happens and soldiers die, sailors drowned, and politicians they fold their arms, they shrug their shoulders, and they go on with their pronouncements, sure in their ideology. It takes a open mind to change your beliefs. It takes critical thinking to change how you perceive the world around you. Lemurians wear this contempt for critical thinking on their sleeves. They consider it a badge of honor to keep their eyes shut and their ears closed. Their national symbol should be the three monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. They drone on with their rhetoric, 
yet they refuse anything that would change these views. But the hard science of advancement of Earth's empires destroying their naval vessels at will must be a sign of their own internal weaknesses. Finding themselves defeated at every turn by the Atlanteans and the surface dwellers of the planet, finding themselves infiltrated by the shadow people that perpetrate this war, that prolong this war, surely this will awaken some reevaluation in their minds, some reevaluation of their politics, their dogma, their strategy on dealing with the world around them. We can only hope for this change. We pull into the coordinates above Atlantis and then surface the sub. The only way for us to enter Atlantis is through their methods. Atlantis is not a underwater city with streets and pavement. And it's so deep into the sea that you must wear special pressurized suits to even exist there, to even function properly. Our guests, the mere people that I have helped, they part ways with us and without any assistance from technology, they dive beneath the waves and disappear. We don our pressurized suits, our highly technological lifeboats that we must envelop our bodies in. And then we all join hands around a diving bell and we depart the surface for the kingdom under the sea. When we arrive at the depths as prescribed to us by our allies, they greet us they take us by the hand, leading us like children in an alien world, and we begin to feel what the mermaid feels when they have to enter our surface world. There is no magic in Atlantis. A mermaid doesn't magically grow legs and walk the streets of Manhattan in the real world. In the existence that I live in, Dr. Andrew Michaels. Mermaids are led by hand, 
lifted and placed in a water tank and then wheeled from one lab, one meeting place to the next, so that they can still survive, breathe the oxygenated water, keep their bodies moistened and slick. The streets of the land, paved over nature, are meaningless to the mermaid, much in the same way our legs fail us in the city of Atlantis, a city that looks nothing like we conceive it to look like, a city of spiraling concentric circles, no obvious paths through it, centralized meeting places in the middle, great arches everywhere, defensive positions pointing in every direction up and out away from their people. You don't walk through Atlantis, you swim through Atlantis. When you meet with somebody in Atlantis, you swim up to them. You are greeted with a handshake. You are greeted like a friend. They speak through their minds deep in the ocean, their body language their mannerisms. They don't enunciate words, air bubbles escaping from their mouth, words that would just be ludicrous sounds underwater. They communicate in a language similar to what the animal kingdom speaks around us on the surface. You don't think the ants, the bees, the dogs, the cats, the monkeys of the world don't talk to each other. They talk all the time. You hear the birds sing every morning the praises of nature and creation. Do you think that's just sounds for them to announce their presence? It's an orchestra of life. The sounds of one race speaking to another. And in much the same way as the animal kingdom speaks through mannerisms, body language, and thought, so do the mermaids deep in the ocean depths. The spoken language of man is the language of the universe. The learning of characters, the learning of the meaning of those characters, the ability to speak from one world to the next, that is your voice. That is your language. That is 
the language of mathematics. 2 plus 2 is always going to equal 4, no matter where you are in the universe. But when species talk to themselves or amongst themselves on a planet, their language, their words, their communication and characters are much more simpler and in other ways complex. There's no need for words, for math, for the concept of letters, numerals, symbols, dictionaries, thesauruses. And reading classes. They speak a more poetic language to each other. Do, how do you think the cat teaches? The blind kittens to hunt, to nurture, to communicate around their world. Do you think it's just instinct? Or is she parting her knowledge to her children in some unseen, under, ununderstood way? And man in his arrogance has forgotten this language. In the isolation of the modern age, we forget the comfort of the tribe, the comfort of understanding the subtle body language and mannerisms of somebody as close as their own family, even their own mother. But doesn't the mother still teach the child? You can call it osmosis if you want, or environmental But it's still a type of learning. It's still a language. It's still a form of communication. And when we are brought to the council of the mermaids to work out a treaty and a strategy between our people and theirs, not one word is spoken but volumes are set between us. You can feel the tension and the fear in their minds, the fact that the Lemurians have been infiltrated by the evil shadow people that dwell even in the depths of the darkest ocean. A bastion for the shadow people to move freely without the bright dangers of the sun. To send them back from whence they came. I unveil to the mermaid people all of our technological advancements on combating the shadow people. 
They are in awe of my openness and my government's willingness to work together to build a bridge. But this battle, this new world war, doesn't allow for political gesturing and strategic positioning. Survival depends on honesty and the ability of two peoples to share their knowledge and technology and resources to combat a common foe. All the technology that I offer has been specially modified for the depths of the ocean, the power sources safe for their inspection and future modification. Not everything we've designed will work perfectly in their environment, and their own scientists and engineers must fashion our technology to their specific needs. But I can see the tension and the stress level diminish as their leadership sees that my people have openly shared all of our technology, every single bit, every schematic, every example of technology and weaponized equipment. And what's amazing is we had the forethought to show the progress of our technology to where it started and how we figured it out to show a lineage of early development to our current understanding and our current weapon systems so that they could also see the progress and how one technological leap led to another. As their engineers and scientists milled around the examples that I brought to them, I could see the spark of enlightenment in their faces as they put connections in the technology together, the technology telling them a story the technology teaching them and telling them an untold series of stories. You could see them reading the technology like a book with their minds. It had a story to tell. And thankfully, the scientists that put together this presentation were much more insightful than I was. And much more devoted to proper communication with the, these people. And it was amazing to behold. And I don't say that lightly. 
so much was passed from one people to another, I felt honored to be in the presence of this moment in time. They made their own presentation and brought out the weapons and the technology that they used against the shadow people and those possessed by them. They had happened on it by accident. Their weapons didn't react and work quite the same way as ours, but the light beams, the energy transmission, were basically the same. Certain waves of radiation affected these creatures more than others. Though they didn't have the true concept of, like we did, of artificial sunlight, they understood that these people were weak to certain forms of radiation, and they had even discovered an invisible force on the spectrum further up, between gamma and x-ray, that worked even better than the infrared spectrum and ultraviolet light provided by the sun. There was something about radiation that split them apart. They couldn't form their bodies around it, and it pushed them back to the dimension that they came from. What I learned this day was that we didn't actually ever kill a shadow creature. We merely pushed them back to the dimension from where they came from. They took their knowledge, their memories, and experiences with them, and they joined a continuum in their world. And they immediately shared this knowledge in a hive mind-like setting. Sometimes tens of thousands of years would go by before they would return to the hive. Even longer stretches of time. But once they did all that they knew and took from our existence, bathed their people in knowledge, they shared it through a link between them, a common core of sharing knowledge, experience, and memories, throwing out the things that are worthless and memorizing the things that are important. They used this knowledge gained to infiltrate us to a higher degree, to learn our ways to control and manipulate us. And now I knew what kind of battle we were in for. We now knew our enemy, and our enemy had major, major weaknesses. It was actually easy to combat, but as we attacked and sent them back, fought them back, we were actually facilitating our own demise by letting them know all of our collected knowledge, 
letting them know all the limitations of our weapons, our strategies, and our knowledge. Sometimes they would bait us into fights just to get us to send them back. We weren't harming them. We were just returning them back to their own dimension. But in doing so, they were taking all of their experience from our world to theirs. They were readying themselves for an offensive, a full-scale attack. When this happened, it would be a world-leveling event, an Armageddon, where all were possessed at the same time, almost like a blinded zombie apocalypse. And we had no way of stopping them from entering the people of the world all at once. I parted ways with my friends of Atlantis, shocked by this knowledge. They handed me a small coral-edged timer. They knew the time and the date of the invasion. They had experimented with different headpieces, different shielding to prevent themselves from being possessed. But nothing was working. I knew what we had to do next. We had to come up with a shield to stop them from possessing us, either on an individual level or on a national level. We had to stop their apocalypse from coming. Their invasion would be complete. And there would be no buddy left to push them back. Because we would be them if we failed. And the whole idea was to take us in one felled swoop all at once and we would lose the war in a moment and this was what we were facing I hope you'll join me next week for our continuing adventure in the battle against the shadow people. Until I see all of you again, please have a most blessed day. And I hope you have a have had a wonderful Memorial Day celebration. Stay safe and stay healthy. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. 
please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash Gerardo Hale. The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardohuel at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.